Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's the Jean to my kitty song. It's my sister, Marissa. I thought multiple times about how if I had actually been Lara Jean, I would have beat Kitty Song into a pulp. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> we are 100% going to talk about that, because I was thinking to myself, like, we're close. We're obviously very close. If I had in any way... <sighs> like gone to a dude you were crushing on and been like my sister likes you Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. or in this case made your own personal thoughts very very public i'm pretty sure you would have murdered me in cold blood like i know that you love me dearly and you would never lay a <laughs> hand on me mom would have been like well it was justified you know yeah like, i think our mom probably would have been like oh this is a tough one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i honestly think you would have murdered me in cold blood so it would have been very hot blood, I think. But yes. yeah, yeah, a, a fit of passion. Yeah. So since the good place is coming back this month, and we only have a couple <sighs> more weeks to kill before season three starts up, thank every deity. Thank Michael, uh, sure take the wheel. Oh my gosh, who's the stoner at the the Doug Forset? Thank you, Doug yes. Forset, that this show is coming back. We thought we would do a few episodes of Dealer's Choice, so uh, we did uh, Arrested Development last week. Before that, we did Playing House. This week, we wanted to just, like, you know, get on the train of content that is, like, actually applicable today, <laughs> because the past couple months have been, like... We're still a few weeks behind NPR, but yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, we watched the new Netflix rom-com, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So... Before we get into all of it, which I, just at the top, I really enjoyed this. I had a, a journey. I enjoyed it once you forced it. me to watch it. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, just as some housekeeping at, at the top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Do you want to talk a little bit about the review drive? Yeah, guys, we're closing in on the start of season three, and we would really love for people who are in the market for a new Good Place recap podcast to find us. And the only way they can find us is if we have enough reviews and ratings on uh, iTunes. So it would be really nice if you would go and just do that really quickly. It would give you some Good Place points. I I mean, it depends if this podcast is considered like morally good, I guess. Well, you, at least you're considered morally good. <laughs> yeah, but is this podcast or is it considered like a waste of time that could be better used if everybody was like feeding the poor? Mm, we need Cheaty on this one. Yes, we do. Uh, he's too busy uh, freaking out about almond milk. Yes. I figure next week maybe we can do recap or not a recap. We can talk about week. the we can talk about the stuff that's come out already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and first do... scene of the first episode is out. Yeah, uh, it's been quote unquote leaked. It's obviously not leaked. It's obviously you know a controlled thing from the from the network. And there's been a lot of week. interviews. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, so stay so, tuned, y'all. Yeah, and this is the so this is our last dealer's choice for this hiatus period. So how do we want to jump into to all the boys? You know, it's a it's a tight what like eighty minutes or something. Maybe it's, it's, it's only... like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like ninety minutes. It's not. It's not even ninety. I promise you, it is eighty minutes, and it's not a minute over. <laughs> <laughs> so the synopsis wouldn't be 
too, too bad. But I think we can actually just kind of summarize it pretty simply, which is that we have this this family where it's three girls. Their mother has died. Their mother was Korean. Korean. Thank you. I was like, I was like, there's some. Yep, some non-white. They're eating Korean food at the beginning. That's right. So their mother was Korean, and that actually does kind of play into things slightly. Their dad is John Corbett. (laughs) Um, I read a review. I put this in the discussion section, but I read a review that calls John Corbett's character a white wine dad, and it is 100% true. (laughs) He's the best on-screen dad I have seen in maybe years. He's the best. To me, he's the best on-screen dad since Stanley Tucci and Easy A. Like, like by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like shades of uh, the dad from uh, Dirty Dancing. I mean, it's just... And and shades of the dad from um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes, yes. That was the other one I was thinking. Yes. Because he's also a, an OBGYN. Yeah, they love making single dads OBGYNs for reasons <laughs> that are completely strange, probably. I think it's probably an easy way for the dads to have the sex conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could also just have the sex conversation, but it's fine. Yeah, we digress. Um, yeah. So their dad is John Corbett, and he's the best dad in the world. <laughs> he's great. And so the oldest sister, Margot, is going off to college in Scotland, which is kind of a weird choice, but whatever. Uh, the middle daughter, Lara Jean, is the protagonist of the book slash movie. I haven't read the book, but Me I know neither. this is like a very popular book. I read some, an article about the changes between the book and the movie, and it seems like the movie has it better in some ways, which is interesting. Hmm. And then the baby is Kitty. Yay. Played by... Olympia from Odd Squad. All right. Every PBS parent out there took one look at that girl and went, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, when I first watched this movie, and I, I do want to take listeners at the end, uh, like when we're done summarizing and when we're done sort of talking about everything, I do want to take listeners on a journey through my journey watching this movie for the first time. <laughs> but when I first watched this movie, I was like, wow, this girl's a really good actor. And you told me she was on PBS. And I was like, oh, okay. That explains it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, Laura Jean is kind of a socially awkward, but of course, you know, very conventionally pretty girl who has these five love letters that she has written throughout the years to boys that she has fallen in love with. And there's five of them. We only see three, really, in the course of the movie. And one there in the is- stinger. It won in the stinger, but and apparently he actually comes into play in like the next book. And it, you oh, know, this, really? Yeah, and this did really well. I think on Netflix, so they may make a sequel movie. Oh my god, I would love that. On the other hand, they stole the beginning of the second book to be the end of this movie, so it's kind of questionable how they would adapt. But whatever. So the the main guys, the three guys who actually get the letters that we actually really see in the course of this movie are Peter, who is a jock, Josh, who is the next door neighbor who was dating Lara Jean's older sister, Margot, for like a while, right? I mean, I'm not sure yeah, how like long, two but years. Oh, whew. Yeah. And then Lucas, who is, of course, <laughs> a fabulous gay friend. Uh, like, literally the first thing we see of him is... is uh, Lara Jean complimenting like some quirky uh, aesthetic fashion choice he's made and I was like oh we found our our gay BFF <laughs> yes everything's going to be okay I loved him I loved him I also loved Peter's reaction when Peter finds out that one of the boys who got a love letter was Lucas he goes because Lara Jean didn't know he was gay when she sent it and she didn't know he was gay like at all right until yeah, yeah. he just until well until can, we, he... can we get wait wait can we get there first yeah, we, we haven't gotten there first. Okay. So she has written these letters to these boys she's had crushes on. And she like keeps them in a hat box in her room. 
and one night Kitty is a horrible person and she like Lara Jean is like falls asleep falls asleep on the couch and Kitty sneaks into her room steals the letters and puts stamps on them and mails them we don't what? see this happen but she admits to it oh we see her sneaking around and making right. sure Lara Jean is asleep it's a hundred percent clear that it's her right but she admits to sending the letters apparently later. in the book it's not as clear I should stop making book comparisons. Nobody's read this book except teenagers. Um, Hey, we might get some teens listening to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. They're looking for more listenings. They're looking for more to all the boys content. Yeah. Which I certainly am now. (laughs) And I'm 30. So. (laughs) So Kitty mails the letters because she is a sorry excuse for a little sister. And the boys get them. And, of course, Lara, Lara Jean's primary motivation is that Josh, her older sister's ex-boyfriend, because the, the older sister breaks up with him as soon as she goes to college. Yeah. Her main motivation is she doesn't want Josh to realize that, she, you know, can you explain it better than I can? Her main motivation is that she... Still has feelings for Josh that are complicated, but she her loyalty to her sister overrides any feelings that she has for Josh. So this letter, she writes a letter to him to basically get out all of her feelings in a way that won't hurt Margot, and Margot will never find out about it. So when these letters go out, which I think if we're talking about Kitty, we should talk about the fact that she should have known, looking at the name on the address, that like not to send that letter. But... <sighs> but... When Josh gets the letter, he all of a sudden knows that Lara Jean has these feelings. And so Lara Jean needs to convince him otherwise or distract from the fact that she has these feelings for Josh because she doesn't want to cause problems with her older sister who had dated Josh for two years. So in an effort to do that, you know, to distract from her feelings for Josh and kind of give him like a red herring she kisses uh peter who has basically also who has also received a letter and has basically come to tell her like hey i'm not interested in you but thanks and so she kisses him and that sort of sets off this wacky chain of events yes it's quite wacky yeah what ends up happening is that Lara Jean and peter make a pact because he's trying to get back at his ex-girlfriend, who also has some weird um, sort of social history with Lara Jean, where they're like kind of, they were friends and now they're enemies. Yeah. In very typical, you know, K-12 girl style. Yes. <laughs> Felt very true to life to me. Yeah, me too. Um, so they make a pact where they pretend to be dating so that she can throw the scent off for Josh and he can make this other girl, Jen, jealous. So they spend like three months fake dating. Yeah. And, you know, she goes with them to parties and they have dinner at each other's houses. They But they don't do anything. They're, they're just fake dating. So they like will hold hands in the hallway or whatever, but they're not like making out or anything. M- more's the pity, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't... What does that mean? It's, it's, it's a shame that they weren't making out because... Oh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no kissing. And you can tell he's like, oh, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's also like, uh, uh, Lara Jean, dude is 
irrationally attractive. Fine. Like, <laughs> so fine. This boy is fine. We, I, most of the discussion in that my notes are about how fine he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. Okay. He's 22. It's okay. I'm it's not okay. a total creep. <laughs> it's like, quick. What year was he born? Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> Literally. So I did that. Still in, still in the nineties though. <laughs> yes. Listen. <sighs> so, Okay. So they fake date for a while. And, and I would say, basically, as an axiom of, of human emotions, if you fake date anyone for long enough, you're eventually going to fall for each other. Well, and I think in their, um, like, yeah, I agree. But also the fact that they fake date and they actually do, like, one of the things I like about this story is that you do kind of see that they bring out parts of each other, right? And they there is some character growth there, and it's not totally just you're attractive, I'm attractive, or yes. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's you almost know. refreshing because they because they are fake dating and there is no nothing physical that they are kind of forced to show you communicate with each other. Yes. <laughs> yep. Not very common in high school relationships. So uh, not that I would really know. Let's be I real guys. Know. I didn't have my first kiss till I was twenty. So it's fine. Not but sure. There. Jamila Jamil did not have her first kiss till she was twenty-one, y'all. That is twenty-one. She is arguably the most attractive woman <laughs> on the planet, on this earth. Yeah. So in this life and the next. So <laughs> I no longer feel bad about myself. Thank you, you Jamila go. Jamil. Yeah, I mean, so that is one of the things I like about it. So she gets him to kind of open up more about his feelings. Uh, yeah, his dad abandoned them. And, and to her, you know, obviously with her dead mom, they, they kind of bond over the fact that they're down a parent. And, you know, he's, he also kind of opens up to her a little bit more about like his views on relationships and stuff. And then for her, she's very much a homebody. Like the night that, Kitty is stealing the letters ah! is the night that she and and Laura Jean have stayed at home alone watching a Golden Girls marathon. Which seems like the perfect evening to me. That's, watching Golden Girls with my sister. Although that, that's if why it were I up to me, Jean. If it were up to me, it would be designing women. Oh my god, designing women, <laughs> yes. I love that show. Did you know that the fact that Les... Is how you say his name? That Les Moonves or whatever. Yeah, that awful creep at CBS. He's the one who killed future product projects from the, the showrunner of Designing Women. It's his fault that we had no more creative output from the, the creator of Designing Women. Because he was just a giant sexist. I didn't think that I could ever hate that guy more. And now I do. <laughs> anyway, but so like she doesn't really... She chooses not to have a social life, right, Largie? And she, she just doesn't... Yeah, she's extremely pretty, and she got he's and Peter points out at one point that she got asked to a dance by some dude that we never see. Yeah, and, and she, she said, said no. no because she's scared of of boys, and honestly, rightfully so. High school boys are terrifying. They were a terrifying when I was in high school. They are terrifying to me now. <laughs> high school boys are terrifying. They're, they are it, the most concentrated bundle of testosterone bad judgment and underdeveloped frontal cortex that this universe has ever seen i'm really excited for your children to ah! listen to this when they become teenagers <laughs> oh boy i gotta scrub this from the internet in 10 years <laughs> but she also is very guarded because she's sort of afraid of 
some getting attached to someone and then them leaving, right? Yeah, like, that, that was a little too much text for me rather than subtext. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, was, I agree. There was like several times where she just like spoke aloud the thing that we should have understood to be subtext. And like I get that it's a teen thing, but still like yeah. for someone to actually say out loud like if you don't let someone in, they can't hurt you. Like no <laughs> right. nobody says that. Stop. You're supposed to- yeah, but you're supposed to just anyway, infer that from people's behavior. He is he is getting her out of her shell. He's like, you have to come to parties with me. So like, but he actually when they're at the parties, high school parties would, are the second scariest thing next to high school boys. By the way, I will be perfectly honest. I never went to a high school party like this ever. I no, was like, where are either. these parties? But when he takes her to the parties, right? He doesn't abandon her to the wolves. He is a responsible like. Uh, designated driver uh he sits with her he gets her drinks he takes pictures whatever like he's a good dude to be out with and like we could i was i feel like we're talking about peter a lot or at least i am but there's not much else to talk about in this movie but he gets her out of her shell yes (laughs) but he he gets her out of her shell he encourages her to like sort of be more social and that kind of lights something up in her that her dad kind of remarks on later on. And so there is this sort of nice, they are adding value to each other's lives in a nice way, I think, Uh, which is something that we don't, sometimes you don't get in the high school rom-com. Yes, totally agree. And there's nothing sort of like a lot of high school rom-coms add like really gross elements in, even ones that are otherwise pretty okay. Like 10 things I hate about you, which you mentioned before, has this really yucky thing about how, you know, there was money changing hands and yeah, he, he kind of wins her paid. back. At, yeah. And he wins her back at the end by buying her a guitar or something. And it's just like, no. Or she's all that, which is another rom-com that I do. I like. was a bet. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, there's the RIP Paul Walker, but Paul Walker is the one who kind of instigates this bet. And it's, <laughs> so I'm, thinking about, thinking about? I'm thinking about Usher being like, everybody remember that dance we practiced in study hall? Oh, oh my god. <laughs> the sc- Usher the school DJ? Yes. <laughs> this movie was missing a school DJ, in my opinion. Oh boy. Well, this movie was so short. I mean, they cut it to the bone. It, it, there was nothing... There, there was nothing even remotely extraneous. No side plots. No, barely any side characters. You know, her best friend Chris gets. We're like, gonna talk about her. Five minutes of screen time. Like, yeah. uh, normally this movie would have a lot of sort of side tension and, and other stuff going on, and it really was a hundred percent focused on like, okay, it's a romantic comedy. We got to get this romantic thing under control and everything else has to go out of the window because I guess because it's a Netflix movie they want it to be like kind of easily streamable and and so they really want to cut it down as as much as they can I felt it suffered somewhat from that but let's finish the synopsis everything comes to a head at this ski trip I mean this is obviously a very wealthy school their house is beautiful the the Covey's house is beautiful everything comes to a head at this ski trip where John Corbett money (laughs) You know, it's like very much like established couples, you know, being established couples in this ski trip. The the chaperones apparently are a hundred percent uncommitted ruffians, which I like I don't know how anyone ever got away with that because we went on some school trips and they were chaperoned within an inch of their lives. They but were, whatever. Yeah. No, our high school trips were like yeah, you cannot do 
anything. Like everyone, right? Was... They would they would be like the Gestapo just coming to your room randomly <laughs> to make sure you didn't weren't doing anything. You know, like oh god. Yeah, this is not that apparently. <laughs> this um... is like, which, by the way, this would have terrified me. I had boyfriends in high school. This would have terrified me. An overnight trip with nothing but horny teenagers would have terrified me terrified yeah the me. closest you ever got on this was like a religious action trip yeah I, <laughs> yep that's exactly what it was it was a bunch of like socially conscious jewish kids <laughs> yes, to say, it's that it's not that kind of religion guys it's the kind where it's totally okay to make out <laughs> okay actually on that trip there was a rabbi i distinctly remember this i'm veering off course but there's a rabbi on this trip who one of the kids, we had all gone shopping in Georgetown, and one of the kids was getting on the bus, and the rabbi said, you know, what did you pick up? And he goes, oh, just some condoms. Like, he's trying to get a rise out of the rabbi, and the rabbi just goes, okay, share. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> that's the kind of this trip is, it was. I'm just imagining anyone who's listening to this podcast who grew up like Southern Baptist being like, wait a second. <laughs> Reform Judaism is the way to go, okay? Yeah. If you need to raise your children in some religion. What do I have to do? Do I have to get circumcised? <laughs> Bring me I? a knife. <laughs> so- <laughs> So, okay, they're on this ski trip, and Laura Jean doesn't really want to go, and she's nervous about it, and she kind of wants this whole thing to be over. She has developed real feelings for him and doesn't know how to tell him. She She really doesn't want to be rejected, yeah. Right. She has tried to call it off, and he goes... He's like, no, we have a contract. Yeah, basically, which... He could have just said, no, I really like you, but he said, no, I mean, we have I think a contract. he was doing the same thing that she was, right? Yeah, Trying yeah, to yeah. not be the one to have to admit how he felt. Yeah. This is uh, this is a relation, the game of relationship chicken. Um, this whole But movie. again, very relatable. A hundred percent. Very relatable. Oh, I had a friend of mine. Um, I was talking about this movie with a friend of mine today, and I was like, I'll, I'll when we get to it i'll talk about it but i but just remind me that she's like didn't this happen to you and i like some some piece <laughs> of this movie and i was like many times um, <laughs> but, so they're on the ski trip she doesn't yeah. sit with him on the bus ride up so they're kind of in a fight you know and this ex-girlfriend keeps trying to like she doesn't really want to get back together with him she just wants to have ownership over him without making any promises to him basically this ex-girlfriend is basically sarah michelle geller from cruel intentions she wow. was just that's a, that's, that's a that's a dark cut? well it's a, i mean i guess it's not a deep cut but that's a that's a dark it's not a rom-com by any stretch of the no but she's just she's the she's the rom-com like sanitized version of this sort of comically manipulative well, girl Well, she would be she's like um regina george from mean girls then right like yeah i guess except regina george didn't have they didn't have the like romantic element true also not a rom-com mean girls yeah. I mean, yeah. kind of, but whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> More of a social commentary. So they're on the ski trip. I keep trying to finish my sentence. <laughs> sorry, so they're on the sorry. <laughs> they're on the ski trip, kind of in a fight. Then, uh, of course, the gay best friend is like, dude, the dude is obviously in love with you. And would you just like pull your head out of your posterior long enough to see that? And Laura Jean's like, OMG, for real. And then she goes, she finds him in the hot tub. Woo! <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is teenagers, this is teenagers, this should not be as, yeah, as on fire as it totally is. But, so they make out in the hot tub, and And he, in this hot tub scene, she's being a little obtuse, right? Because he's like, He's being a little pouty. He, oh, he's super salty. But then he's like, look, I wanted to sit with you on the bus. I drove all the way across town to get you Korean yogurt snacks. Like- what what do you think that means? And she's like, it means you like Korean yogurt snacks. And he's like, come on. 
Yeah. And then she, and then she gets in the hot tub with him. And then I had a moment. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, they make yeah. out. They, they make out. out. Uh, it's pretty great. And then, you know, they ride the bus home together. But then as soon as they get off the bus, this ex-girlfriend inserts herself. There's a whole thing Ugh. with the scrunchie that I don't care to explain. And uh, she says, oh, he came to my room last night. And then that's enough for Lara Jean. And she, quote unquote, breaks up with him, even though they're not really dating. And, the, you know, then, then she goes she, home. And yeah. Go ahead. Margot is there. She's surprised oh, them by yes. coming home early. No, just you take it from here. I've talked okay. enough. Um, so Margot is there and she's surprised uh, them by coming home early. And she's helped Kitty decorate the house while Lara Jean is gone. And they have like this really, really nice reunion. But this the there's a thread that we haven't really talked about, which is in order to avoid lying to her sister and getting caught up in this whole thing, she, Lara Jean has just been avoiding Margot for a whole like, semester, which is crazy to a me. A whole semester. And they are very very close sisters so this is kind of alarming to Margot. but they have this nice reunion and kitty mentioned something about peter so, right so so i mean the upshot is Margot doesn't know anything about peter right right because and they so, haven't been talking although right. you would think that kitty would have mentioned it but whatever yeah who knows maybe kitty felt guilty too because you know of everything so basically peter uh kitty's like oh is peter gonna come over and Lara jean's like X nay on the eater pay like it's just like don't do this <laughs> but then peter knocks on the door there's a lot of like dudes showing up to a girl's house to like force her to talk to them about their feelings like people showing up places the people movie. Sh- yeah so he shows up and he's like hey we need to talk and she's so she goes outside with him and he's trying to get there and explain like what actually happened on the ski trip and she's just like i don't want to hear it and then josh Sort of like skulks up. I had a real problem with this. Yup. <laughs> I Josh sort of skulks up in a hoodie. Hey man, she told you leave, man. Very aggro crag, as as uh, <laughs> as Griffin, Griffin McElroy would say. In a very aggro crag way, is like leave her alone. And Peter is sort of like, oh, I get it. You didn't break up with me because of what Jen said. You break up. You were breaking up with me because you still have feelings for josh and basically right as he says that of course margo a, comes outside yeah margo comes outside and is like you have feelings for josh although can i just i know we're like trying to get through this quickly but yeah. whatevs <laughs> um he calls peter calls josh a bony bear wannabe which is like really funny yes I, I was i i was like that that is super accurate <laughs> so um so margo's like what and then she runs inside and Lara Jean is just basically like, go home, like, leave me alone. And Peter, she had said to him, like, I'm tired of being second best. And he says to her, you were never second best. And then he leaves. And Josh is like, I didn't know Margo was home. And she's like, you get out of here, too. And just yeah, like, seriously, so- both of you. This was the moment. This was the one moment in the movie where I felt the way that I feel in reality bites where I go, yeah. Winona Ryder, both these dudes are super bad news. Just 100%. Push them off. You will find someone normal. Ethan Hawke is terrible. Ben Stiller is terrible. Run, girl, run. Yeah, for real. I mean, this is the point. I mentioned my, like, journey through this movie on Twitter. <laughs> there there was literally a point where I just wrote in all caps, 
I said, currently yelling in all caps, this guy sucks. Every guy sucks. It should just be this girl with her sisters forever. Hashtag to all the boys I've loved before. Hashtag reasons I'm single. Um, (laughs) So, so they have this and then she goes back inside the house. Margo is pouting, which I have a real problem with the older sister. I have a bunch of problems with her that we're going to get to, which is why, if you notice, I called you. If you you... notice, this podcast is two hours long. (laughs) This podcast is longer than the movie itself because we have a lot to digest. We we might actually achieve that, yes. Um, But if you notice, I did not call you the Margot to my Laura Jean because I do not like Margot one bit. Anyway, so Margot is kind of pouting in her room. Laura Jean um, is like tears up the contract and is like well at least the worst is over and then she gets this I don't understand because I'm not one of the kids these days and I'm not on Instagram or Snapchat so I don't understand how this stuff works but she gets a notification that she's been tagged in a video on Instagram which essentially makes it look like somebody filmed them making out in the hot tub on the ski trip right and it's heavily implied that it's Jen but it's never actually proven she denies it. and I think that in the book it's just left as like an exercise like we don't know who did it which actually to me seems pretty reasonable, reasonable. that, that like, could have been anyone really it could have been anyone but it's basically implied that they like through this video that they had sex on the trip and this which is, is like, like mortifying to her I mean people make out without having sex all the time yeah I'm gonna I don't want to like go like too very very personal on this stuff but like if you are involved with someone in middle school or high school i think there is a people jump to sex very quickly when you are like wondering what people are doing because and there is a scene earlier where like one girl is obsessively like tell us everything like how far have you gotten and Laura Jean's like I oh don't and there's all these letters it's like h on d h on c and i'm I like could, wait a minute i was like what i is could the- not figure it out i was like what is <laughs> okay this? it's hands on D. I'm, this is a family podcast. But then I was like, what is what is C? I don't know. Is I it, don't know. Is it her I thought, happy, I thought, happy place, maybe? I thought it was H on P. I thought, I didn't, I don't know. It doesn't, it's all. Also, well, that would be the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. H on D. I, <laughs> we need John Corbett, Dad, to like explain this to us. But oh, John Corbett dead, by the way, sent her off on the ski trip with, with condoms, condoms. Oh my God, she's mortified. super great. He's it's the amazing. best. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so... He's like, I think you're too young to have sex, but expecting abstinence is the number one reason for unplanned pregnancy, so here's a bag of condoms. <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah. So he sent her prepared, and had she... Wa- I mean, the thi- the night... Actually, the nice... One of the nice things about this movie that like I've seen in reviews and stuff is like because of the contract and because of all this stuff, like there's a lot about like consent that sort of worked out along the way. And Peter never pressures her to like go further than she wants to or anything. There's none of that. So he well, actually he does what he wants kissing to be in the contract, but after but he they, backs down pretty quick when she backs, just says it's non-negotiable and he's like, okay. And, and he does not make fun of her when she says like, I want all my firsts to be real. He's yeah. not like, Oh, you haven't done H on P which is actually. So one of the things that when they're having the fight in her front yard, she says, I know that physical stuff isn't a big deal to you, but it is to me. And he said, why would you think that it's not a big deal to me? And he, and she just says like, everybody applauds you when you get on the bus because they think you've like had sex with me or whatever. And like, you just lap it up. You don't tell anybody otherwise. And so he 
I think benefits from this <gasps> he's ambiguity. Like the, he's like the guy from uh, What Hot American Summer. Yes. He <laughs> he's like, not really. But. No, but like he benefits from the ambiguity and he benefits from people thinking that he's gone a certain, like he's gone that far, but he never, he, he never, he doesn't encourage it, but he also doesn't discourage it. He doesn't say, now, now guys, I've never done this. Like he doesn't. <laughs> that would be extremely weird. <laughs> yeah. So, but now, he, now everyone applauding me. I've only done H on P. So, <laughs> so when, so they have this whole fight. So in this, so Instagram video, so she's mortified because she hasn't had sex and it, it's heavily implied that she did. And she goes to Margot and Margot's like, I don't want to talk to you. And she's like, I need your help. I accidentally made a sex tape. And <laughs> Margot basically gets it taken down because it's child pornography right and also they have a kind of a heart to heart and she's like i mean i have issues with this heart to heart trust me but she's like i thought you didn't need me anymore and laura jean's like no i totally missed you i just couldn't lie to you and that's why all this stuff happened then she's like no more secrets then kitty comes in and is like hey everybody i have a secret it was me it's me (laughs) i sent the letters laura jean rightfully completely wigs out and is like, I'm going to murder you. And Margot says, if I can forgive you for writing my boyfriend a love note, you can forgive our sister for sending them. ain't your boyfriend, girl. That's what I think, too. So I was like, no, this is not... I can't. We're we're not dealing with this. Also, she didn't mean for it to be sent. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. I know. There's a lot there. There's a you lot there. You can write whatever you want in your gurnal. It's not <laughs> of any concern to anybody. It's because of Kitty that it got out in the world at all. By the way, listeners, we say gurnal because of Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not brain damaged. I don't think it's actually pronounced girl. <laughs> so, um, so, they make up and Kitty's like very happy that she's going to live. Although I do have to say um, there is a moment where the moment where she finds out about the Instagram video and she screams, John Corbett and Kitty are playing chess and John Corbett is drinking white wine and Kitty just goes, women. And John Corbett goes, tell me about it. And I was like, this is amazing. I know she's like, she did the worst thing in this movie, but I love her still. I know. She's 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 very lovable. She's very lovable on Odd Squad, too. I highly recommend anyone who wants to just watch children's programming for no GD reason. Odd Squad is amazing. It is like, it's like Monty Python plus math for children. It's, a, it's it fantastic. Great. It's so, so great. She goes back to school. Wait, I'm missing something. Okay, so that'll happen. First, New Year's comes around, and Laura Jean is clearly having a hard time, so John Corbett takes her to the diner and actually, like, opens up to her about their mom and basically says, like, it's not fair of me that I've relied so much on you. It's also well, he says, like, I want, you know, I would, I want to tell you more about her, but talking about her makes me sad. Yeah, which is really, like, he talks about how she was so full of life and they used to come to this diner and, like... Do we just assume it was sad cancer? It's not clear. Yeah. Um, I assumed that it was an illness um, because they never say, like, it was so sudden. Like, she never says, like, one day we had her and one day we didn't or whatever. Like, yeah. it, you know. But, you know, John Corbett says, like, yeah, she was so full of life and I really admired that about her. And I kept thinking, like, I keep thinking back thinking, like, I should have been dancing with her. Like, I shouldn't have been embarrassed by it. Like, I should have been enjoying life and, like, being open and 
your mother was so open and I never talk about her because it makes me sad, but seeing you with Peter, this is the first time I've seen you this open to the world. And like, I don't want you to lose that. And it reminds me of her when you're with him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that really actually did get to me. I was like, (laughs) um, and pass me a white wine, John Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, don't hide that part of yourself. And she, she takes that to heart and they have like a nice moment she goes back to school she thinks everything will be back to normal because not everybody saw the video um but somebody vandalizes her locker okay time out yeah i went to public high school a a high school that seems a lot like the one in this film yeah in middle school and elementary school whatever nobody ever had their locker vandalized and i mean not once nobody like nobody would have dared because they would have found out who did it and you would have been in such deep doo-doo right like it was not worth it it was like the cost benefit analysis it wasn't worth it like i'm not saying nobody got gossiped about behind their back that's basically all high school is but like nobody had like big letters on their locker like s-l-u-t or whatever like no wow we decorated each other's lockers for our birthdays okay yeah (laughs) and nobody was gonna get caught doing that stuff with like a picture of the like a A, a screen cap video and she freaks out and she runs into peter and peter's like what's going on and she's like you haven't told anybody the truth like you I, i bet you're glad that people think we had sex and he stands up for her in the hallway but i have to be honest if any guy that attractive or anywhere approaching that level of attractiveness in high school had been like, listen up, everybody, Brianna and I never had sex. (laughs) (laughs) I like know the names of the boys in your class who you're thinking about, but we're not going to, I'm not going to do it, but still. Um, I would have shriveled up and died. I would be doing this (laughs) podcast as a ghost. (laughs) I would be dead. Yup. So she survives miraculously. (laughs) And um, (laughs) she says, like, I know who did it and you do too. And he's like, I'll talk to Jen. And she goes, no, I have to fight this fight. Okay, here we get to Jen. (laughs) She confronts Jen, who is like, she, Jen is the worst and, yeah. yeah, she is the worst. And, you know, I think this speech was supposed to give her a shred of humanity to be like, I'm not as tough as I say I am or whatever. But like, come on, girlfriend. And I also like, I don't like to bag on young actors, but I just don't think she was very good. No, I agree. She really couldn't deliver this speech in a very convincing way. It felt very stagey, very yeah. writerly. And Jen's like... I'm glad people are going to know who you really are. And Laura Jean's like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you kissed Peter. And she goes, after you broke up, he's like, no, in seventh grade. And she, Laura Jean had the reaction that I had watching it, which is like, are you a psycho? That was like years ago. What are you doing holding this grudge? Now, when I think about my own high school experiences, I had girls like this who held grudges like this against me for equally dumb things. So maybe it's true. I don't know. But since she is on an honesty kick, uh, Lara Jean goes to Josh and explains her feelings and basically said, you were the first boy that I ever really loved. But I, and that was all based in actually knowing you. It wasn't a fantasy, but I didn't realize what those feelings meant until after you got together with Margot. And then I didn't want to ruin it or make anything complicated, but eventually my romantic feelings faded. um, And I just missed you as a friend. 
but I didn't know that. He's like, why didn't you just tell me that? And she goes, well, I didn't know until Peter because... Like, that was real in a different way. And he is surprisingly cool about the whole thing. Uh, I have a lot of problems with how Josh is handled in this movie, but let's just get through the synopsis. I do, too. So he encourages her to talk to Peter, and she doesn't want to. And he kind of calls her on her bullshit. And he's like, you can't just send letter write letters that you're never going to send. Like, you actually have to interact with people. And she says she's tired of sending love letters and would rather get them. Kitty... Brings her the hat box. That's Meddling little bench. But this I realize in this, in this, I'm, look, it always works out for the best. It doesn't justify what she does. So she collects the letters that Peter wrote. They're like notes that notes. Peter passed her between classes. Um, in order to make Jen jealous. And she says, you know, he's like, are you, you sure you never got a love letter? Because like that seemed, this seems like love letters to me. So she drives. So the whole movie, she has issues with driving and she doesn't feel comfortable doing it. She drives to school and confronts Peter at lacrosse practice. And she tells him how she really feels. And she says, I like you and not in a fake way. And he tells her finally what he's been trying to tell her for like days, which is uh, that he went to Jen's room on the ski trip to tell her that it was over because he's in love with Lara Jean. And squeeze. I know. I was like, okay, I'm back on your side. <laughs> and she says, what do you put in a contract for a real relationship? And he says, nothing. Which was just... very dorky of her to say. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like something Cheaty would say, actually. <laughs> and he says, nothing. You just got to trust. And then, you know, he kind of pulls her in and he says, you going to break my heart, Covey? And then they kiss. And it's very sweet. And then the stinger of the movie is the kid from Model UN who's now all I, I never up. explained. One of the other... The two letters we haven't mentioned, the two people who got letters I haven't mentioned, one of them it got returned to sender, but one of them was this kid that she knew in Model UN in like fifth grade or something. Yeah. And so he shows up at the door in a suit with flowers and carrying the letter. Reminds me of your uh, preschool husband. Yes. I had a boyfriend in preschool who dressed up in a suit and proposed to me and said that we could live above his parents' garage. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 20. <laughs> Just want to reiterate that <laughs> we had very different, <clears throat> very different romantic experiences. Very well, different. I mean, you're married now, so I think it worked out. Oh yeah! As soon as I met a guy who was like, <laughs> I guess I can look at your face. I'd be like, I gotta lock that down. <laughs> gotta lock that down right now. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. <laughs> you're joking a little bit, slightly. <laughs> So that's the movie, and I really enjoyed it, and I just want to take listeners through my journey a little bit. <laughs> I So earlier this month, we had just gotten back from vacation. I was just looking to unwind and, like, you know, just spend some time in front of the television by myself and not talk to anyone. And so I was like, I've heard, like, some internet kerfuffle like just like some chatter about how cute to all the boys i've loved before i was like i like rom-coms i had just watched crazy rich asians i had just seen that like a week before and so i was like i still haven't seen that i want to though oh it's really good i was like i was like i want a rom-com kick and like they've also been compared because both uh protagonist ladies are of asian descent so i was like that's a really bad comparison point but okay yeah but i was like i'll check this out and so 
I'm watching, I'm watching. And then at some point I tweet, okay, I am a full-on adult woman watching To All the Boys I've Loved Before, yelling, what is your deal at this Peter character, who I'm 99% sure is played by Mark Ruffalo in a time machine. <laughs> that is that how was- I- yeah, that's it. he gets that a lot, apparently. He is Mark Ruffalo in a time machine. Convince me I'm wrong. I mean, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, has created a time machine, and Noah Centennial came out of it. That is essentially what happened. I am convinced. And then I say that this little sister is adorable. And Are you then, just reading us your tweet stream? No, but I, you know, that's that's basically it. And then I was yelling, this guy sucks, which I already talked about. And then I was I was like, oh, I'm back on your side. So, like, it, it was a little bit. But basically, that is all to say that, like, I thought I was, like, just going to be like, oh, this is a fun, fluffy movie. But I did get invested in it. I really liked it. I, I liked yeah, it a lot. Yeah, I did, too. You know, and I, and I don't mean to sound negative, but I do have some, like, issues that I would like to bring oh, up. because I, 100% I do, too. But I just want to, at the top, just Because say, I really felt like it was largely just, like, super enjoyable. I yeah. thought the acting was really good for the most part, Jen notwithstanding. And just, like, everyone was, like like a pretty good character but like there were some things about the way that it, that they sort of pared down the narrative that really bothered me yeah and uh, certainly the whole thing you know if you are supposed to believe in this as a love triangle which it kind of starts off as trying to believe in it as a love triangle josh gets like next to no screen time there's yeah. no explanation of why we should care about him as a romantic lead you know he has that one dinner at the beginning where he gets you know rejected and then we barely see him for the rest of the movie. And when we you know, do I, see him, he is really acting out. Yeah, not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, in an understandable way, I think, kind of. But it's still really bad. Well, and, it's, I think it's hard to see him. Like, we have a little bit of flashbacks of, like, this is what we used to do when we hung out. But it was, like, very surface-level stuff. And I think that's part of the point, that maybe she feels like, oh, I can talk to Peter about real things. I never talked to Josh about real things. But it's all surface level stuff. And then the the only screen time he really gets throughout the movie is to be like, he handles situations really poorly. And I understand that he's upset, but he really takes things out on her in a way that's like, if you're, if you're supposed to be a romantic the sensitive option. Guy. Yeah, the sensitive guy and a, and a viable romantic option for her. Like, we're supposed to understand why she likes you. And everything I was getting was like, ooh, I don't like this. You know? So I agree. I just wanted him to, you know, I wanted them to have some screen time together. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to be genuinely sort of like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to feel like I was in her shoes and trying to make a hard decision. But she spends no time with Josh and all of her time with Peter. So, like, just, like, proximity theory. Like, yeah. it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. But yeah. whatever. Um, I didn't care. Yeah, so I didn't care for Josh getting limited screen time. I think that's... It's a major departure from the source material, apparently, which I think is annoying for some people because a lot of people really like love triangles in fiction. And uh, they kind of killed the one in this one. Yeah, I think we both had problems with Margot. Ugh. I really had problems with Mark. I had a lot of problems. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Can I just lay this out for you? Sure. What I thought was going to happen, because I really, I had no knowledge of the source material going in. No, and, me either. And I assumed because Josh was the boy that we meet at the beginning. He's the boy next door. They were best friends. Like, they are setting you up for this is going to be the guy. Right. And Peter is a jock and, like, not really, and, like, is dating someone else. And so they are setting him up as, like, maybe an option, but, like, 
I think going into this, I either was thinking what you were thinking, which is this is really going to be a true like 50-50 love triangle situation, or I assumed that what was going to happen was the letters would get out and Margot would find out about the letter and realize that her younger sister had been pining for Josh this entire time and she never knew and would have some maybe conflicted feelings about it. But at the end of the day, say like, you know, I'm sorry that you never felt like you could talk to me about this because Margot is supposed to, I think the way that she's constructed in this story is supposed to be like the very practical and kind of cold one. Like she's not, she's the Eleanor of sense and sensibility. Yeah. She's like, Oh, actually, they map pretty cleanly onto Sense and Sensibility, come to think of it. There are three sisters in that. And, you know, at the beginning, she doesn't feel conflicted about breaking up with Josh. She just goes, yeah, I broke up with him, and I'm not going to change my mind, and I'm going to school, and bye. Like, she doesn't... So this whole thing about how I could never betray my sister didn't... Like, I get it from one perspective, but to me, I would almost... What I thought was going to happen was Margo was going to find out and say, it's clear that, like, you've had these feelings for a long time. I'm sorry you never thought you could talk to me about them. And if you are still interested in him, like, I am giving you my blessing because, like, he clearly he wasn't right for me. I'm at a different stage of my life. And clearly my feelings for him were not as strong as the feelings that you have because I was able to, like, leave and... uh, Not look back. Not look back, basically. Literally not look back. And... Oh, that's right, at the beginning. And instead, what we get is Lara Jean feeling this total loyalty to her sister and her sister sulking about, you know, when she finds out that Lara Jean had feelings, like, for Josh, being like, you like Josh? And then her saying, like, I thought you were, like, maybe trying to date him now. Like, that's what she's upset about. And Lara Jean's like, no, 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 I would never do that to you. Yeah, and then that's it. Right. There's no conversation about, like... Hey, you actually don't get dibs on another human being for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, I think... Now, we never had this situation. We never liked the same guy. We were too far apart in age, I think, for this to happen. Yeah. They seem to only be two years, two years apart, apart. And so I it's think a little he's more probably, plausible. I think he's probably in the middle of them. I think he's probably Yes, I think he's, he's one year less than Margot, one year more than uh, Lara Jean. Yeah. So, I, I... Yeah, you don't get to call dibs on a person. And also, like, I think... For an older sister who is all about letting go, like, that's her basically, that's her character trait is, like, we are sisters and we love each other, slash, I am very practical and I let go of things very easily. I I would assume that at some point she goes, look, I am going to college in a different country. This is, it's not practical for me to be, like, possessive of a guy that I don't even want. Like, the fact that she gets so in a strop about the fact that like Lara Jean may have had feelings for Josh at one point is a little, I felt like that was a little absurd, honestly. So that's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, Oh, she's going to end up with Josh because the older sister is going to realize that like her love, you know, large, it's, it's kind of like a gift of the Magi thing where like Lara Jean <laughs> is like, I love my sister too much to do this to her. And then the older sister goes, well, I love you too much to let you miss out on somebody that you care about because you think it's going to hurt me. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen, genuinely. Went in a completely no different direction. for the watch chain. <laughs> right. And I cut off all my hair. But, like, that's what I thought was going to happen. And I think instead her character just comes off like, 
really two-dimensional and really yeah really unfortunate feeling like why does this why does this sisterly sort of obligation only go one way why is it only that Lara Jean is obligated to stay away forever from any boy that Margot's ever had a thing for but like Margot doesn't feel obligated to be like well let me you know let let me me really do some self yes let me do some self-examination and realize that like you know I'm not allowed to be angry. First of all, I'm, you're really not allowed to be angry that people have feelings for other people, right? No. Feelings are not something you could blame somebody for. A- actions are another matter. But w- w- she knows at this point that Lara Jean didn't send the letters. So it's just it's just totally unfair for her to be angry at her for even, like, expressing these feelings in writing. You know, that's just, yeah. that's just wrong. I mean, Lara Jean thought that she was writing these letters... Like a journal, like right, and it, you mean it, I think you mean a journal, a journal. Yes, she thought that she was writing in a journal, and this was her, this was supposed to be her way of channeling these feelings into something that didn't hurt her sister. But you're right, like I think we kind of feel the same way. Where it's like this older sister who is supposed to be, for all intents and purposes, the motherly figure of the house, right. For this mother figure to sulk about the fact that, like, Lara Jean had feelings for a boy who they grew up with. I mean, come on. That's, like... Classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It seems a little bit... It, it, it just seems unfair to me. And I thought that they could have done a better job. I, th- I thought they could have done a better job. And I thought she, as a character, could have done a better job of showing her little sister who's clearly hurting, like, some humanity in that moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Besides the attractiveness of the male leads, you know, I actually Ooh. did find I found it pretty refreshing that, like, yeah, it is setting you up to think that she's going to end up with the boy next door, and she super, super doesn't. Yeah, and that actually makes it really interesting for me that, like, you know, you instead of this jock character being painted as a one-dimensional guy who doesn't get to have the girl because he's insufficiently sensitive or whatever, you know, it's. It's quite the opposite where, you know, they bring out some good things about each other and opposites attract. And also he's not some unfeeling jerk. He's just, you know, kind of an athlete and kind of popular. He's popular. And I like I knew guys like this in high school who were popular and smart and good looking and did play lacrosse. Every all the hottest guys played lacrosse (laughs) and were in, you know were high achieving and were also like, you know, funny and this and that they were kind of, they had everything, right. It wasn't. And so, but they were able to sort of seamlessly move between social circles and be friends with people who were sort of outside their immediate sphere and sort of be like, actually really genuine. Like I had, I had, I'm not going to say I had, like, deep friendships with any of them, but, like, I was not super popular in high school. You were more popular than I was. (laughs) But there were guys who I was friendly with or friends with who, like, you know, were very popular and, like, were basically the Peter Kavinsky's of my grade. But who, I so I actually thought it was really realistic, actually, that he has some 
social capital to like move around the school and like be cool with somebody like Laura Jean and have mm-hmm. it not be like a huge deal. Like that's actually another refreshing thing is that nobody makes it a, except for Jen who has her own agenda agenda. Um, <laughs> nobody is, nobody is like us against them or this sort of like social strata thing. Nobody does like, that. Oh, how could you be seen dating a nerd? Or exactly. Yeah. Like Christine, who is essentially like a composite of like, Blossom and uh, she, she's Jane the, from Daria and Ali Sheedy's character from The Breakfast Club. I was thinking of the 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 girl from Mean Girls, the one who's the artist. Oh, uh, Janiceian. Yes, yes, she's Janiceian. She's essentially Janiceian, and but she, I thought she was going to have a problem with them, but she didn't. She was like, "Oh my god, that's so wild!" And like that was the extent of it. And then whenever. <laughs> Like, she'd be like, you gotta go get your man. Like, don't let Jen get your man from you, and that kind of thing. And They're she, cousins. Chris and Jen are cousins. Are cousins. So she, pro- they pro- she probably wants to get back at Jen a little bit, to be but, honest. But then, Laura Jean actually says that, and Chris says, but I've also never seen you this happy. And John Corbett is, like, with a white wine going, like, honey, she's right. I've never seen you this happy. And then, like, <laughs> That's <leaves>. so great! <laughs> but, like... He's like oh, a John little Corbin in this like, movie. Buzzed uh, Greek chorus over there. But like, so that's, I really like that. And I liked that he wasn't just, like, I was talking to a friend of mine about it today, like I mentioned before. And one of the things she said was, one of the things that she liked about the development of Peter's character is that you see him be nice and solicitous to characters who it it doesn't benefit him to be nice to them. He's just nice to them because he's a nice person. And that's how, you, that's how Lara Jean kind of figures out that he's a nice person. Like when they are at the diner, diner together and the woman, the, the, the waitress, waitress. brings him a chocolate yeah. shake. He says, thank you. And he looks at her name tag and he goes, Joan, like little things like that where, or he's very, very nice to Kitty, right? He has no reason to be nice to Kitty if this is just a bet. Or, or a, I'm sorry, not a bet, like a contract. <laughs> what am I, a bet? A bet. <laughs> like, if this is just a contract, he really doesn't have any reason to be that nice to Kitty. He calls her little LJ, which I think is very cute. Yeah, he like, but he's like a nice guy. I mean, but I think to your point about character development, Josh is like, I can't believe you're, you're dating Kavinsky. Like, he's such a a-hole and like, you're so innocent. And I'm like, but we never see peter as a bad guy ever but i actually think that's pretty realistic that someone like josh who seems to be kind of like a quiet loner type would just perceive any man with a man any boy with a higher social standing than him to just be an a-hole yeah and my friend who i was talking about this with did say like well maybe it was a he was an a-hole by association because jen is so awful and maybe Josh feels like because Jen yeah. is so awful. And Peter does say, like, well, we were together, so I couldn't say anything. Like, he kind of lets Jen walk all over people. People, yeah. And doesn't say anything. So, like, I could kind of understand that. But I, yeah, I actually did. I found it really refreshing, actually, that she got with this guy. And also, I mean, this is something that we talk about, too. <sighs> She didn't, she, she opened herself up to new experiences, but she didn't change herself in order right. to be attractive. It's to not him. like the end of Greece, which is right. horrifying. It's not the end of Greece. You know, we talk about this in terms of dirty dancing too. Like she opens herself up to new experiences, but she, she challenges, this is this guy who, I mean, if you haven't seen dirty dancing, I don't know what you're doing. Oh with my your God. Life. If you haven't seen dirty dancing, turn this off and go watch it. But Patrick Swayze is 
in that movie, the hottest man on earth. And this like bookish, shy, like socially conscious girl who is like really earnest, right? She never, she opens herself up to new experiences, but she never changes herself. And she challenges him and she, she, she gets him to open up about other things. And you can see like, they like each other for each other. It's not, I'm going to make you over. And I like this new version of you. It really is. They are honest with each other. So like, that was also really refreshing too, to understand like, yes, she goes to a high school party, but she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't get high and, and, and vandalize the school library or something. Right. Or she doesn't like in 10 things I hate about you. Julia Stiles gets super drunk at that party. Um, Oh, that's unfortunate. She's also not like in, uh, what's it called? Uh, she's all that. Like they go to the party together and she's like, basically gets the makeover from Anna Paquin. God, what's Anna Paquin up to? Uh, she's in true blood. Uh, is that still running? I, I, I don't know, but that's what she's been up to. I don't know. But yeah, like, so she gets the makeover and you know, it's that kind of thing where, Oh, I'm just now realizing that you are attractive to me because you're physically attractive to me. Whereas I think for this one, you can kind of tell that like Peter's interested in her from the beginning. Yes. So apparently the whole seventh grade kiss thing in the book, it's like a real kiss. In the movie, it's a spin the bottle kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can kind of tell he's like interested in her. And, you know, she shows up to a party wearing a scrunchie and he's like, you look pretty, you know, like... (laughs) And she and he kind of brings her out of her shell, but she's the same person through the whole movie. She never it's not like Mean Girls where she goes through a dramatic transformation and oh, all of a sudden I'm a popular girl. And I will say like the other popular guys don't ever give Peter any like, you know, no, much like Dulé Hill in She's All That. I love him. Yes. Like the other popular guys never give Peter any shirt for dating Lara Jean. They're just like, hey. Not that we see anyway. Right. But like, she's like, his friends became my friends. And I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Like, it's yeah. an, it's nice to see. Whereas in She's All That, for example, like, the popular kids were trying to sabotage them. Right? I mean, I also think in She's All That, like, I mean, I don't know that anyone gave it this much thought. But the, the, the female protagonist in She's All That was way more aggressively weird and antisocial than Laura Jean is. Laura Jean yes. is just sort of, like, yes. shy and retiring and, bookish like, and, bookish. Yeah. And, and the girl in She's All That is like, I do slam poetry and I wear overalls with paint on them because all of you, this is just a facade. High school is a prison. That's what Foucault said. Like, okay. <laughs> like everybody just chill. She's an artist and she's like... I'm an artist. Yeah. She goes to a... My dad cleans pools. My mom is dead. (laughs) A lot of dead moms in these high school rom-coms. I think that the percentage of of teenagers with one or both parents dead in fiction is like a hundred times higher than it is in life. So yeah, I I, I like their relationship a lot. It it was refreshing in a lot of ways to see some of these things. But I, I do think that the sister relationship for as much as they like pushed how much they love each other and i thought it was cute that they hung out and stuff but i was just like margo is not really being the older sister that laura jean needs right now she's just not i'm reading this in your notes and it was something i was going to mention uh you're quoting dana schwartz here 
Yes! My only problem with all the boys is that I have a sw- slight white boy facial blindness and I had trouble p- telling Peter and Josh apart. Uh, yes. Me too! I, I couldn't tell them apart until until after they had done the contract thing. So the first 20 minutes or whatever, no, I, I was like, I don't know who these people are. I was, I literally, like, when, so there's a, there's a, a, a thing in the movie where she has imaginary versions of these guys, like, visit her in her room to talk to her. Which was slightly strange, but I guess it worked. I thought it worked. It is a little creepy, though, to be like, have like Josh pop up and be like, you know, you love me. And you're like, ah. <laughs> but so they're lying on the floor. She's in the middle. You see Josh on one side and Peter on the other side. And I literally said out loud to my television, one of you has to be a different race because I cannot <laughs> handle this. I mean, f- famously, maybe in our family, like, I couldn't tell. <laughs> Boromir and Aragorn apart in, in <laughs> Lord of the Rings either like so at the end I mean spoiler alert for a 20 year old movie but like at the Faramir? end I was like no I mean Aragorn <laughs> so at the end I was like wait that guy got killed I thought oh were there two of them there were two white guys this whole time oh man yeah well two scruffy dirty no 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 I'm talking about the bearded the men. scruffy the men humans yes Yes. um that is hilarious yeah i was like one of you has to be i was like for a movie that has a refreshing amount of racial diversity can you pick some different male leads please can josh be indian or something like can we just but yeah so i had white boy facial blindness too with them which i thought was i I got as soon as as soon as we as soon as we started doing like the contract stuff i got over it i was like okay i can kind of see that like this guy is sort of has darker complexion and I He's see taller, that he is a different. Certainly. I see that he is a different guy, and yeah, Josh just looks like a soft, soft boy. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he's all. I mean, you can tell. Like Noah Centennial is like much more. Phys- I mean, it makes sense. Like he's a high school athlete. He's a lot taller. He's supposed to be more physically imposing than Josh. So, which is like that when they have that like aggro standoff in her front yard. I'm like, <laughs> okay, boys. Like one of you is clearly going to win if this comes to blows. Do we want to talk about anything else? Uh, Lana Condor I guess just Kitty and how much of a horrible person she is. I mean, I love her, but yes. She's an explicit feminist. She's wearing that feminist necklace in every scene. And she also has that great line about uh, Laura Jean's moon times. Yes, <laughs> her moon day. It's a, it's a gift from the goddess. <laughs> yeah, like her dad is like, I love how I kind of love their family dynamic where they're just sort of like buddies with their dad. And so, yeah, so like, he's like, honey, menstruation is all about science. It has nothing to do with the moon. And she says, so, so says you, Dr. Man. But, you know, (laughs) the goddess says it's a gift of our womanhood or whatever. I thought that was really funny. By the way, she's like, how old is she? She's 11. She's, uh, she's in sixth grade. So she's 11, 12. So like, chances are like, she hasn't started commuting with the moon goddess yet. (laughs) Well, you know, maybe she's reading up on it because she's preparing. Yeah. And she's got two older sisters. I mean, I knew about periods before I got them. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to kill her. I wanted to kill her dead. It is. So we should tell the listeners that I was talking to you about this movie separately from the context of this podcast. And I said, have you ever, have you watched To All the Boys? And you said, I had to stop after kitty stole the letters because i like couldn't handle it and i was like if you stick it out it's a lot of fun and so but it took you a try and a half to get through it yeah i was netflix was like resume where you left off and i was like oh 
Okay. <laughs> okay, Netflix. I think I could take it. Oh boy. You, you. This is tough because you are an honest person to a fault. You cannot lie. You cannot cheat anybody. You cannot go. Or, I mean, you. Ne- I never would have even believed that you could pull something like this off and keep it a secret or that you would oh want my to God. pull something it would like have been this like, off. You would have been like, oh, this boy's got these letters. I'd be like, what letters? I don't know about any letters. Was it, were there, st- I mean, who even has stamps in this day and age? I don't have stamps. I certainly didn't spend $7.20 on stamps the other day. Oh my God. I've been caught. And yeah, I mean, this would have been like Very short movie. Yeah. Yeah. You like it literally the next day it would have been like, Brianna, don't go to school. I did something terrible. (laughs) Now this is all, you know, this is the ages that are in the wrong direction here. You're the little sister. I mean, but that's why I am the little sister because I'm a little sneakier than you. Although I never would have done that to you. My goodness. I think you, I mean, geez. And Kitty's whole justification is I saw Peter liked you. Okay. How? In the car. Oh, when she almost kills him. Yeah. So there is a scene at the beginning. So Kitty is driving with Elargine in a helmet because she likes to make fun of her sister, which I thought was adorable. And, you know, I actually did think, stepping back a moment and talking about Kitty, like, more broadly, I actually thought it was really interesting to have this, like, middle child who is, like, much more of a loner and we see her go through lunch by herself and she kind of finds Josh and they're kind of like emo together a little bit. And then she picks up her little sister and her little sister is like, Oh my God, the cafeteria is so big, but everybody wanted to sit next to me. And so I had to rotate so that like this person could sit next to me. One of her friends that she talks about is named Brianna, which I was like, I'd be your friend, little, little LJ. (laughs) But so she's clearly much more socially adept. And so I think, I think part of it is She's supposed to pick up on the flirty vibes that Peter is giving out when he kind of leans into the window and is like ribbing Laura Jean for her bad driving uh, because Laura Jean basically almost runs over Peter and he's like, hey, how you doing? Uh, usually one of the primary times when I had no idea if this was the same white boy or a different white boy. (laughs) And so that's what she's like. I do you think that's why everybody uses each other's full names in this movie the entire time? (laughs) Yes, Laura Jean Covey, Peter Kavinsky. Right, everyone's. She's like Peter Kavinsky. What are you doing here? I'm like, we are 40 minutes into this movie. I think we're supposed to know who this guy is at this point, but maybe they were like white boy facial blindness. We have to make sure everybody knows this is Peter, but. So he kind of leans in the window and is like, hey, so maybe you should use your mirrors. And he's, she's like, well, I'm not entirely comfortable. And he's like, well, you're just going to wait for all the other... Like, they have some banter. He's more in on the banter than she is. And I think, like, Kitty's like, who's that? And Laura Jean's like, that's Peter Kavinsky. Like, she's trying to just brush it off because she's kind of mortified. And I think that's supposed to be Kitty going, oh, I recognize that this guy likes her. Okay. Now, I would have been down for yes, exactly. sending him a letter. Or... I mean, not. I still wouldn't be down for it, but at least it would be like a slightly more morally defensible. And she said when, when she's chasing her around the room, she said, but you sent all of them. Because she said, I could tell that Peter liked you and you weren't doing anything about it. And I just wanted you to have a boyfriend and be happy. And she says, but you sent all of them. And she's like, well, I thought five chances was better than no chances. Well, it turns out it's not really five chances because... 
Two of these guys don't even really show up. One of them is gay. Now, their kitty had no way of knowing that. But sure. these these letters were written so long ago that I think that's part of the problem. Like, if, if Lara Jean was the kind of sort of, like, flitty personality where, like, she had a crush on a... Like, I have a crush on crush every on boy. every boy. From Strong Bad Emails. Ask your parents. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Then maybe I could see it, but, like, you know... She wrote a letter to a boy in fifth grade. She wrote Peter's letter in seventh grade. She's a junior now. Like, even Lucas's letter was from freshman year homecoming. Like, you can have a flash in the pan crush on a... Lord knows I have had crushes on guys that have lasted for years, but I've also had crushes that have lasted, like, a week. And then been like, well, that was weird. I'm over that. If I had written a letter in that week and then you had sent a letter to that guy, I would... I can't even begin... Like, and I actually think, I know we're talking about- This is, by the way, going to be longer than the actual movie. Yes. I actually think, (laughs) now, I know we're we're talking about Kitty, but I actually do want to give big ups to the three guys who did receive letters. Well, two of the three guys who received letters (laughs) for, like, being fairly cool about them. Like, Lucas- Lucas, God bless Lucas. Lucas was like- He was like, like, I'm giving this back to you. It seems like it was private. You know that I'm gay, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. And even Peter was like, hey, I'm flattered, but, like, I'm not interested. I just want to make sure that you know that. Like, he didn't spread it around school. Oh, he yeah, didn't... he could have made, he could have, like, taken a picture of it and put it on Instagram and been like, oh, look at this feeb. Yeah. But he didn't do that. So, like, props to those boys. Yeah, we're talking about Kitty, though. And we're talking about how I think she's supposed to pick up on the vibes that Peter is giving out. But it really doesn't justify I mean, especially the Josh letter, y'all. Yeah, I know. She she caused a lot of angst. <laughs> she caused a lot of problems. And, you know, she's cute, so she kind of gets away with it. But she's it's pretty not cute great. on Odd Squad, too. But she's not, it's not a great look. And I think, yeah, you, you said this a bit at the beginning. Like, it all works out for the best, so we're supposed to sort of forgive her for it. But it's pretty, uh... It, I, you know, it's unacceptable. Would you have preferred that it was an accident? Like they went out with the goodwill boxes or whatever? I, be- I believe in the book. It is left again as another left as an exercise where it's like, well, maybe it was Kitty. Maybe it was somebody. Maybe they really did go out with the goodwill. Hmm. Although it's not plausible for them to have gone out with goodwill because they, them. Yeah, they had no stamps. So I think maybe like if she had, if it had been a situation where she's like, I write this letter and I get ready to send it but I don't because I think better of it and I just put them in a box. Then maybe that would have worked for as an accident. Like she stamps them and it's like a little ritual for her. But um, no, in this like kitty, like what 11 year old knows where stamps are, by the way, what 11 year old in 2018, like she's 11. Her dad probably still pays bills, you know, by sending in a check. That's true. This is John Corbett, y'all. Uh, can we talk about John Corbett some more? Yeah, let's talk about John Corbett and then let's wrap up. Okay. I loved him in this movie. <laughs> he was so great. I was like left at the end like, we need John Corbett to like get a girlfriend in the context yes! of this movie. Maybe like, he gets a girlfriend later on in the series. Maybe. Uh, he definitely needs one because maybe he's Kitty just... Maybe can like play matchmaker for him next. Uh, like Sleepless yeah, I mean, in it Seattle seems Part like... 2. Seems like she's sort of an agent of chaos, but yeah, sure. <laughs> she's chaotic good. That's who, she is chaotic that's who good. Is. But like, oh yeah, chaotic good. Yep. Yeah, I loved him in this movie. I and I also love that John Corbett as an actor is like I know exactly what I'm supposed to be now at this point in my career. Like I am 
this is what I'm doing and I am leaning into it and I am giving a hundred percent in every scene. He is, he is like, he, he just is so available to his daughters. He's like not afraid to make a fool of himself. And he's actually a pretty cool dad. Like, I really liked that a lot. I mean, it's super sad that he's, you know, he's on his own with these with these girls. Although they seem to have no lack of resources. Because like I said, that house is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it's also notable that their mother died so long ago. Because I think we would have gotten a different family dynamic if it had just happened. You know, they're, yeah. they're allowed to be like you hear Kitty say at the beginning, like I was in diapers when mom died. Right. Like I was or I was still eating smush peas when mom died. Like, I don't even know what her Korean food tastes like because John Corbett's like trying to make Korean food. And the older sister's like, you have to say it tastes just like mom's, um, which is also kind of sweet that he still tries to like honor yeah. their you know, the other half of their heritage, which is really nice, but I'm not sure what the John Corbett half is. It's just sort of like white bread. Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe it's Scottish. Maybe that's why she's going to school in Scotland. Oh, maybe. But yeah, I, I think that he's, I, but I think that the reason that they have this kind of like rhythm with each other and this vibe is that he has been a single dad for a long time. Right. Like you think about other movies I'm going to bring up uh, a movie, a How Did This Get Made movie, Safe Haven, where Josh oh, Jumal... Ghost Mom? Ghost Mom. Josh Jumal's a single dad. His kids are much younger, and his wife died more recently. And so he is... They're getting into a groove, but he is still struggling a lot, and his kids are struggling a lot with the fact that their mom is gone. That's not a rom-com, but that's a rom <laughs> So very little calm in that realm. Very little calm in that realm. So I think maybe the fact that the mom is just sort of this, it's almost like in Clueless when Cher comes home and she's like, wasn't my mom a Betty? Like she talks to the picture of her mom, but she doesn't really know her mom. Right. You know, she's kind of allowed to be well adjusted in, in certain ways because like, I think that's kind of what, what Kitty is too. Like she doesn't know any other life. So you know, I think it's probably harder for the older girls, but John Corbett keeps it together and is constantly drinking white wine. I love it. <laughs> I so it doesn't excuse what Margot sort of does, though. You know, like I, I think, yeah, I think Margot probably had the hardest time of their mom's death, and like still, you don't get to call dibs on your high school boyfriend. No, and also I thought it was worth interrogating the fact that she's like, well, I broke up with him because mom said never go to college with a boyfriend. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which is like. Maybe that's like a pearl of wisdom, but I, there's almost something there where, where I would want to say like, well, wouldn't mom just want you to be happy? And if this guy makes you happy, then like, why not try it? Like, I don't know. We also don't know at what age John Corbett and Korean mom met each other. Yeah, mom never gets a name. I don't know. But John Corbett is not, you know, not incredibly young or anything. Right. But if it's a situation where, like, mom said that she met dad in college, so, like, I should have my options open in college, like, I could kind of see that. Hmm. But it seems like they were going on dates in this town. Oh, yeah. So, question mark on that. But it's pretty vague. Okay, next week we are going to be doing a season three preview with whatever little material we have. Yay. Thank 
goodness that good place is coming back i cannot wait for it it it, it feels like a lifetime in the desert it feels like 40 years in the desert and we are finally being delivered oh my goodness yeah so really looking forward to that if you have any questions or if you have any like good place theories that you want to throw out that we can talk about next week oh man we should email. give we should we should set up a point system for people who prove to be right in their predictions Ooh, yeah that'd be great i would get zero points whatsoever because i've been wrong about literally everything we've predicted but I me too but like if we have listeners who are like super great at predicting then like you know give them shout outs or whatever yeah so if you have any if you have any predictions if you have any questions if you have any things that you wonder are going to happen you can tweet at us you can put them in the facebook group you can email us you can just shout it out i don't know wherever you can find us and leave us a review please on itunes that would be lovely and also if you have any thoughts on uh my new boyfriend noah centennio (laughs) did you read there was a vulture uh interview with him where they talked about how much he looks like mark ruffalo (laughs) i should read that there is i linked in our show notes to a video from l magazine their digital edition where basically they're like no centennial is your perfect boyfriend and it's just like shots of him like doing really nice things for an imaginary woman um (laughs) he's like okay okay i know you want to go out to dinner and we can do that but i think we should split the bill 80 20 because of the gender pay gap (laughs) (laughs) so it's like that ryan gosling meme yeah like he's really leaning into being the the internet's new boyfriend which i'm fine with because it gives me a lot of uh things to google (laughs) Uh, (laughs) if anybody how's that how's that online dating going brianna (laughs) oh not well not well at all uh (laughs) listen if anybody could find mark ruffalo's time machine and age him age noah centennial up or age mark ruffalo basically in between where he is now and where noah centennial is and just give me like a 33 year old mark ruffalo that would be that would be (laughs) just give him to you just like just (laughs) you know listen just mark ruffalo 33 year old mark ruffalo come just hang out with me please that's what i'm looking for quote unquote hang out with <laughs> well we can make a contract if you want but <laughs> oh on that note my goodness. yes till next time don't forget the dance we all learned in study hall <laughs> we'll see you next time ding dongs Knock, knock, knock it on